in my room. My computer is on in front of me with my microphone. There's a notepad open with some notes about my podcast. It's time to rewind. It looks like they're open to the ninth scene of Memento that starts in color at 17 minutes and 35 seconds, with Leonard pulling up to the restaurant and checking a Polaroid of Natalie with a note scribbled on a pharmacy bag and ends at 18 minutes and 3 seconds, with Leonard washing his hands in the bathroom, noticing the Remember Sammy Jenkins tattoo on his hand. Uh, There's also a Skype window open. Hang hang on. Who is this? It's Eric Bubba Weed, again. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I must have forgotten. And, uh, And who are you? I'm Molly. Welcome, Molly. It's uh, good to have you here, and your first time here on the, this podcast. It's time to rewind, talking about Memento. And uh, since it is your your first time here, I am curious: what is before we get to today's scene? What is your background with Memento? When do you remember when you first saw it? I do. I first saw it in the theater, actually. Uh, My husband and I saw it. Uh, It was one of the first kind of like dates or outings we went on. And so it's always had this, I don't know. I mean, well, Valentine's, as we're recording this, Valentine's Day is coming up. So uh, it has a, even though it's kind of a downer movie, it it has a a connotation of romance and love in our relationship. So uh, it's always had a, a, a special place in my heart. Yeah, that's that's funny, and and I, I think I also think it's funny that you mentioned that because the the scenes that you're on, I think, are the kind of the most romantic of <laughs> of this entire movie. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Uh, and you know, it's, speaking of romance, we don't we don't get to that quite yet, but you know, this this is a Natalie scene, and this is the first time as the audience that we get to see uh, the Polaroid of Natalie. And it's it's kind of an artsy picture with mm-hmm. the with it being backlit with the window and her, uh, you know, we just see a profile with her head down. And we also see this note written on this pharmacy bag. And we get to see the back of the Polaroid. The uh, she has lost. She has also lost someone. She will help you out of pity. Mm hmm. Yeah, but there's so, also something crossed off above it, though. So yeah. we know there's there's something we'll find out at some point later on that he uh, he wrote down there that we don't know quite what it is yet. Yeah, so what do you guys think about this as like basically our introduction to Natalie? Well, it sets. I mean, it it certainly sets it up very well um, in the structure of the movie to make us. Uh, very intrigued about her and for us to, you know, be, you know, wondering, all right, you know, it seems that she's a good guy. I mean, she's helping him out of pity, according to the notes. She's lost someone. Um, when he sits down, she calls him Lenny at first, um, which, which is obviously familiar. It's not Leonard. Uh, but the interesting thing is over the, I, I know this is kind of taking the scene as a whole and we're just starting out here, but the, the, there's an interesting dynamic throughout this scene that it starts out that she doesn't seem to be entirely sympathetic to Leonard and she has a bit of an attitude towards him 
She's not exactly acting like a person who wants to help him out of pity. And by the end of the five minutes of this scene that we're talking about today, she has sort of come around a bit. And she's a little more apprehensive about doing what we eventually find out she is doing. And so it's 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 a, I think it's a case of good writing and a good case of good acting that in just this one scene, we see Carrie Ann Moss take the character from a, a, very, a sort of a negative place to a, a somewhat more positive place by the end of the scene. Yeah, that's something that I, I definitely notice about this in, in the beginning. The way I look at it is Natalie takes control of this conversation immediately because she's wearing the sunglasses and Leonard doesn't immediately recognize her, even though he just looked at the Polaroid. But then, you know, it, it's not the best Polaroid. And I imagine that he's looking for somebody that's also looking for him. But she grabs him and says, you don't remember me. She doesn't ask that as a question. She says that as a statement. And I think that's that's important. And then he starts to explain his condition and she cuts him off. And like you said, she calls him Lenny. And he says that he doesn't, he prefers to be called Leonard um, because he doesn't like that name because his wife used to call him that. And Natalie says, I know. And so in just, and this all takes place in just 15 seconds. And I think that is really efficient storytelling, efficient acting, showing us kind of the, the true nature of Natalie from the beginning. Yeah, one of the things I like about when he first gets into the diner is that she almost kind of grabs him on the ass as he's passing. And there was something, I guess the way I read it was a little bit affectionate and also a little bit playful. And I you know, watching it a couple of times. So it, there's so many different tones within this scene. And so it, it's interesting to kind of start off on this. And this movie does this very well, but you're as an audience member kind of riding along with Leonard and trying to figure out who people are and what is the relationship between them. And we spend so much time trying to discern what it is between these two and I mean, one of the things I noticed was that the the affection part. And then, as Eric was saying, uh, she's not particularly nice to him at certain points. Um, talking about uh, must be hard to live your life by scraps on paper, for example. And the way she says it is is kind of condescending. So it's hard to take a read entirely what the relationship is. It's it's complicated. Yeah, she even makes a joke out of that whenever she, you know, she says, mix up your laundry list with your grocery list and you end up eating your underwear for breakfast. And I think it's, you know, for one, it's a funny joke, but it's also very telling to what she thinks about the situation. And, you know, it's actually, in a way, it's accurate, too, for telling the audience that his notes aren't necessarily 100% reliable. Absolutely. And a right, big portion right. of she is not the good person we are meant to believe that she is eventually, you know, absolutely. And I, I think also it's interesting that, you know, we see these two characters and they both have facial injuries. And of course, Leonard has always had these two scratches since we've seen him in, in the color scenes. But she also has a, a split lip and a bruise on her cheek. And we don't know how 
either of them got those wounds. And you would almost expect that it would get brought up in the context here, because it is kind of abnormal to see two people sitting at a table who have both incurred some kind of facial injury. And so I think as an audience member, there's an expectation that there's going to be a, a recap or a rehash. And when you're kind of coming in dry into the scene, one of the shorthands that came up for me is like, oh, is there some sort of domestic violence here? Because as a woman, there's this, for whatever reason, there's a trope of like, I'm wearing sunglasses to obscure an injury to be out and about because she's inside. Now, we know a little bit later that some of that is to obscure a read on on another human being and, you know, his his need to, to see people in the eye to be able to kind of clock them and, you know, determine intention. But also, I think that's really done well here in that we're, we're trying to get a read on the situation. And, um, you know, is she in trouble? Were they both in trouble? And it's never mentioned in this scene, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. And I, I think that there is this tension between the two of them, especially at the beginning. And I just, I really like, it's it's very simple, but I really like the way that Carrie Ann Moss takes off her glasses and kind of, she doesn't throw them on the table, but there there's that tension in there with the way she sets her sunglasses down on the table. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting choice of shots and that there is a pause and there is an additional shot to show the glasses hitting the table. And I mm-hmm. kind of read it as a, a reluctance to take them off, but I thought it was an interesting choice in the terms of the cut and the vision of that. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's almost like she's trying to hide something in more ways than one because she's, I, I mean, the sunglasses are not hiding the, you know, her split lip because mm-hmm. you can clearly see that. And they're not really hiding the bruise on her cheek either. It it is just hiding the, you know, her eyes. Yeah. And that's also, I think, an expectation as an audience member that I had was I expected to see an eye bruise. And there's a little bit of a surprise when she takes off the glasses and it's like, oh, no, actually, you just really have a, a very subtle. In fact, it's even difficult to see that there's a subtle bruise on her cheek, on her left cheek. Mm-hmm. And I I also like this. It's very brief, but we get to see, um, like she's playing with her fork and spoon. She's just kind of twiddling with her with her hands. Right, right. I think there's a comment, just in the nature of of how this is shot. Um, I can't remember where it shows up. Maybe it's a little bit later where he's talking about how people behave when they're anxious. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's incredibly nervous in this scene. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that that's funny. I I've been looking at this, and and I think it's uh, it's probably because I, you know, I'm I'm recording these out of order, and I haven't talked about that black and white scene yet, uh, where he talks about you know people have all sorts of different reasons to be nervous and and fidgeting with things, but I believe that that scene was just you know, the either the previous scene or just a couple scenes back uh, that we saw that. So yeah, that's. <laughs> That's, you know, pretty telling for, you know, the the fact that she might be lying about some of this and the fact that, you know, she's doing this, but it doesn't seem like we don't get the impression that Leonard feels like she's lying. Is that right? No, I don't think that that's something that's he's not getting his hackles raised. Not like how we see, I think, with Teddy, 
um, where he has an instinct that there's something off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about, um, or you're right, actually, we, we are recording this out of sequence, so I got to be honest, I don't know if we, if we have talked about or we will talk about, but <laughs> um, the whole Leonard relying on the notes and the tattoos as undisputed fact, and mm. they're actually not. And so he's relying on his comment on the back of the photo for Natalie as undisputed fact. So he is trusting mm. her because of his note there. And so he in, in this exact moment, he has no reason to think she's lying because, oh, this is what my note on my photo says. So, of course, she's not lying to me. Yeah, that's that's a scene that we that will come up next week. There we go. Which we've already. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this this whole scene is kind of interesting because, like, whenever you really think about it in the context of the way that this story is being told the, to the audience, because she is giving this information to Leonard about John G. And it's information that's new to him, but it's also information that's old to us because we've already seen the result of this information. We know that the packet is information about the fact that Teddy is John G and that he ends up killing Teddy because of it. I also think it's kind of interesting. He gets up without the the materials to go to the bathroom. And that was kind of curious to me. And I, and I couldn't tell if that was just part of the memory thing, but I think if I would have gotten, really key piece of information i probably would have taken it with me because he's actually i think it's a, a waitress that taps him is like oh you know here's your stuff like you kind of forgot this yeah the waiter whenever he he exits the bathroom but mm-hmm. he's also known to do this because it, it comes up several times that he frequently leaves his key uh, his hotel key in various places right and often in his room so I, I think that this is like a character trait that mm. that they set up and and they revisit often enough that it it really fits. Like it, it's kind of a recurring, not really a recurring joke, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it it is a recurring character trait that I, that I I think is actually done well in this. Mm. And I I think a lot of his character traits do show up multiple times. And Leonard. I think this movie really does build Leonard as a complete three-dimensional character in a lot of ways. And it's something that I'm seeing more and more as I get into more and more of these scenes and, and seeing these repetitions of of little character traits pop up in multiple scenes, like, you know, forgetting his keys and forgetting uh, leaving things on tables and in other play- people's houses. mm yeah, and I, that 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 actually leads into the the next point I was going to make about his um, a character. Speaking of his the recurring character traits, so he's got this comment here that he says where he says, "My wife deserves vengeance. Doesn't make any difference whether I know about it. Just because there are things I don't remember doesn't make my actions meaningless." So uh, you know, obviously the driving force in the movie is him his quest for vengeance here, and and uh, it, you know, obviously as we find out, he he doesn't remember a lot about his quest for vengeance. Um, mm-hmm. So in addition to that, though, um, it brought up something that um, I thought was interesting to ask you both about. It reminded me of – I remember reading a long time ago uh, one of the old uh, first comics that came out for Thor for Marvel back in the 60s. Um, there, he meets some 
generic human guy who is so desperate to get to see Asgard that he asks Thor to take him to Asgard for like a day. And he says, you could wipe my memory even afterwards. I, I won't even remember it, but just to be able to experience that day, I, I would love to be able to do that. And I, that is something that like for more than 30 years now, I've always been fascinated by of, you know, what's more important, the experience or the memory? Mm. Because to me, an experience is meaningless without the memory. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't ever want to be that guy and spend one day having the most incredible day if I can't remember it, because then what's the point of having that experience? So Leonard is basically saying, I, the, the, the experience is more important to me than the memory. It doesn't matter if I don't remember anything. As long as my wife's getting vengeance, it doesn't matter. But the problem is his inability to remember the vengeance is why he's trapped in this never ending loop in his life, though. Yeah, so I wonder and... what, you know, what, what do you two, you know, experience versus memory you know what what your your both of your thoughts are uh molly why, why don't you take it if you unless you need to uh, some time to think about it. <laughs> no no i'm uh i'm locked and loaded um <laughs> i agree with eric i would want the experience if i can't remember it and thinking of vengeance for leonard i there's so many moments where and we'll we'll talk about it in a little bit where he's trying to explain his experience of having this injury. And I think that he's looking for solidity in his life. And so in order to compensate for a lack of memory, he leans on certainties. You know, it's it's certain that I know I'm sitting down or it's certain that I know that the table is flat. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's what he's using to really uh, compensate in the world. And so for him, it makes sense that it doesn't matter if the memory is there because he he has to be able to to hold on to something. Yeah, he like for him, he has to believe that his actions have meaning, even if he can't remember them. So it it's like he has if he believes like if if Leonard believes that it's all about the memories rather than the experience, then that could lead him into like a depressive spiral because, you know, at that point, his life no longer has meaning if he's not able to make new memories. Mm-hmm. So so he does kind of have to latch on to this idea that, uh, you know, as he says in, in this in this scene, the world doesn't just disappear when you close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And in a way, he is constantly kind of closing his eyes to the world. And he has to believe that his his actions actually are accomplishing something even though natalie i feel like she has the opposite because even whenever she has this information ready she does ask him if he really wants the information because she is more of the memory and the experience and she points out you know even if he kills john g which he does and he has done more than once he won't remember it, and mm-hmm. and he hasn't remembered it. And then Leonard, you know, after that, he goes on and, and says that uh, maybe he'll take a photo of it and get another freaky tattoo, <laughs> which is, you know, ties into something that, um, you know, that, that Natalie has said about um, his tattoos here. And she also says, you know, something similar about her about his tattoos in in a later scene uh and 
And that also ties into the fact that, you know, we do eventually see a photo of him after he's accomplished his task, pointing to the blank spot on his chest. Right, right. I'll withhold comment till we get to that way in the future. (laughs) (laughs) So let let me ask you, too, because I, I think that this is... This is an important audience moment uh, because Natalie pushes Leonard to really remember his wife. And I, I do think that, that the narrative reason is so that the audience is able to see these moments of Leonard's wife and to build that uh, level of connection of, and empathy. But my question to you is, what what do you think is the character reason for Natalie to wants Leonard to really remember his wife in this moment? This is a good question because once we get to the end of him reminiscing, Natalie is clearly very uncomfortable. Um, Almost as if she has maybe some regret with how she's played Leonard. So I wonder if she wasn't expecting to react the way that she did. She maybe is looking for something to, I don't know, is she looking to absolve her guilt over the way she's using him um it's it's a very interesting uh reaction yeah i think this is an interesting snapshot because we really we get these kind of impressions and just really to be snarky on a side note sarah seidel is really connected to georgia fox for me and so <laughs> when i saw this in a, in a while i was like holy shit Sarasidal from CSI Las Vegas. So, I, <laughs> so that has like a, a, an overtone to it. Um, but, you know, all of that aside, uh, I think it's it's interesting that you don't have concrete scenes with his wife. They're they're like impressionistic, like washing hands or mm-hmm. a shoulder and a strappy, you know, tank kind of situation. Um, part of me wonders if she runs him through this exercise because his disability is really quite unbelievable. You know, it's very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to grasp how he lives this way. And so I think some of it is, is that some of it I think is her testing him to see because she's, you know, setting up her own situation here is to see, you know, what he does and doesn't remember you know how yeah, real it is. I think that's I think that's interesting that you say that because I I was thinking that as a little bit as well because she does test him multiple times uh, throughout all of her scenes. It's it's almost like she's almost constantly testing him even up until you know the, the end of their interactions within this movie. Mm-hmm. Sort of like how Sammy Jenkins's wife tests him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yep, good yep yeah. yep and yeah my my thoughts on on some of these moments i've like i literally have written down like that that it feels very impressionistic mm-hmm. and uh, i also think that it's um you know slightly abstract but these moments are also very mundane mm-hmm. because they're they're all very like day-to-day activities you know the, he's not like remembering a vacation they went these are all moments that the two of them in their home you Mm -hmm. know it it feels very familiar uh you know and 
the the longest shot at at the end i i think is also very important because it's you know her laying down with her face buried in the pillar the pillow and the camera is rotated 90 degrees so that even though she's laying down uh to the audience her her face is positioned straight up and down which that simulates Leonard's point of view if he was also laying down so he would see her um in in the same position and that's and the, it's kind of doubly interesting because I I believe it's also you know very similar uh, shot. I I didn't go back and check, but whenever he has the flashes of her death, I believe that uh, he sees her in a similar um, position. Mm. Yeah, I I had in my notes, uh, Bubba, literally the same words. Very mundane. Uh, <laughs> that a very very interesting way that they that they show it just the of the day-to-day life and a contrast to also how his life is now which is most certainly not mundane his life Mm. now is incredibly fascinating and exciting but the memories of his wife are yeah just these you know the typical boring stuff that couples do not stuff from a fun vacation or a concert they went to or anything like that Mm. and and i also think it's interesting like at the beginning that Natalie asks him to close his eyes uh, in order to remember her. And this is right after Leonard just said, the world doesn't just disappear when you close your eyes. Mm. But in a way, she is kind of making him make the world disappear and bring him back to the place whenever his wife was still alive. And then she also points out uh, that she includes an address of the abandoned warehouse that we see at the beginning and the end of the movie, which is, you know, it's, it's something that I think would be almost impossible to pick up on a first time viewing, but it's this, you know, very slight hint at her true past and, and what happened to her old boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then at the end of this conversation between the two of them, Leonard asks if he owes her anything. And, you know, she finishes that she wasn't helping him for money. And uh, what's your take on why Natalie is is really helping him? And and I think we'll get into this more uh, or again in uh, the next couple scenes that we talk about Natalie. But like at, at this point, it's like, why do you think... Natalie is really helping him. So I am going to defer to Molly, and here's the reason I'm going to defer to Molly. I'm going to, <laughs> remind, I am going to remind our listeners that I have not watched this movie in more than a year, and that I purposefully did not rewatch the whole thing before we started recording so that I could be a bit confused to add <laughs> to the confusing nature of the show. So uh, I'm going to have to leave my answer to that question until later into our recordings. Well, I think that's actually an amazing way to go about doing this project for one. So hats off that way. I think if (laughs) if, if anyone was going to go ahead and take that, that strategy, I think this movie lends itself to it. Um, Mm. One of the things that really strikes me about this, um, I mean, not to ruin for people, but I'm going to do it anyway, is that (laughs) (laughs) the suit that he's wearing belongs to her boyfriend Mm -hmm. Mm. and he's been running around in it. Yeah. And it's like this constant reminder of Jimmy every time she looks at him. Right. So, I mean, on her end, she's talking to a man who is wearing 
her love suit and is driving his car. I mean, to the point where she thought it was him when he was pulling up at one point um, later on earlier, I guess, both mm-hmm. in this. So she's being literal when she says, I wasn't helping you for the money. And so as much as I think on first view, when I watched this movie, I was just like, oh, my God, she's just like, you know, incredibly mean, no empathy, no compassion. This poor guy is just, you know, had a an exceptional trauma in his life. And there's just like no, no warmth for him whatsoever. But this is also, you know, a man who she's on a revenge path herself. Mm. And so she is, I think this is a moment where she simultaneously feels for him, but she's also wicked pissed. And so she's not doing it for the money. She means it. Yeah. Then they finish this conversation. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, this is where Natalie is basically full on friendly mode you know she's joking about his condition and he she returns his key uh, again you know a moment about of him forgetting stuff he forgot his key at her place and it, it really frames this her character as something very different than what we see later in the movie it, mm-hmm. it really builds a lot of empathy towards her you know seeing her being very friendly and helpful at this point in in the timeline. And then she ends this conversation sharing about how the two of them are connected by being there about how they're both survivors because she's in this process of surviving after the loss of her boyfriend, Jimmy, and he's surviving his condition uh, in his own way. And, uh, you know, as, and then, and Natalie leaves the table and we get this. It's a moment that we don't get very often. It's, you know, it's this kind of quiet moment of introspection where Leonard like just really seems kind of sad and lost for a moment as she leaves. Like, uh, what do you like? What do you think is going through Leonard's head at that moment? Well, he clearly feels that he shared something with her. He doesn't know what, though. Um, And I think he has a sense that as she walks out the diner, he's probably thinking, hmm, there's a good chance I might never see her again. Um, And I don't have any notes or tattoos about her other than this one photo with this, this vague comment about her helping me out of pity. So there's a sense of loss that, you know, whoever this person was, it appears that she was incredibly important to me, but... I may never see her again. And I don't remember her. <laughs> I don't think he has a whole lot of intimacy in his life hmm. by virtue of the memory. Um, because I, and this could be a, an argument is how do you create meaning when you don't have memory? You know? So yeah. I think that sharing this moment is probably relatively nourishing for him and he's never going to remember it. Yeah. And, and I think there's also, like a little bit of, of um, you know, him thinking about what's to come in his near future and you know, possibly also his long-term future as he, at this point, he feels like he's about to accomplish his goal, but that comes with, you know, having to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, kind of all of these thoughts all mixed into to one moment. And, and I think that it really... Uh, plays well on his face and and it is something that we don't see very often because i i've 
I've talked a lot and in several moments of, of the episodes that we've already recorded that like uh, Leonard is very cold and emotionless a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we do get to see a bit of real emotion from him. And then, of course, the, the scene ends with him going to the bathroom and washing in his hands and the nice close-up of the Remember Sammy Jenkins, which is exactly... You know, the, the shot is exactly the same as we saw in the previous color scene. Uh, so it's, this is still early enough in the movie that the, the shots are, you know, is as exact as possible to, uh, help uh, reinforce this framing device or this storytelling device. Yeah. And also when he does get up from the table and he walks to the bathroom, there's a very interesting, choice that they have here in that he gets up and he walks like with purpose and he has like a a real committed sort of focused look on his face that at first you think he's walking out after natalie that he's going to follow her but he's actually just going to the bathroom (laughs) yeah i i can see that i think it's interesting that he has uh it on his hand I think he makes a comment at some point where haven't you ever put uh, a phone number on your hand before to remember it? And it just kind of struck me that that is the most available top of mind place to put something is on your hand because it's it's available to you all the time. And so it becomes this kind of like visual mantra or visual meditation. Here it is. He's washing his hands, something, you know, just casual routine every day and and here it is this is the the next kind of like oh yeah remember this guy yeah and and, and i do think that that's important and I, you know i'm we're going to talk a lot about sammy jenkins um, probably not quite as often with me and eric but you know um in the black and white scenes definitely uh, there's a lot of sammy jenkins in there and and i think that 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 connection between the two of them is very important to the movie. And I do think that it's important that he has this on his hand. It's, it's the, the tattoo that he sees the most often. And it's the one that makes the biggest connection in his, his new memory is, um, you know, habit and routine memory. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that's, that's all the notes that I have for this scene. Uh, do either of you have anything else? Uh, I have just one. Uh, Molly mentioned Georgia Fox. I know her from uh, the West Wing and ER. That's how I know her. But I wanted to point out that her, I noticed back when we were uh, running through the beginning of the movie, her name does not appear in the opening credits among the actors that are listed in the opening credits. And I thought that that was very interesting that her role is so pivotal to the movie and she's in it enough, certainly enough compared to a couple of the actors who names do appear in the opening credits and i that i wonder what if there was anything behind that or was it just we're only using seven names and she's was eighth on the call sheet i just wonder Mm -hmm. why her name was not in the opening credits yeah it could be that um it could be i I don't think she really has any lines the the only one that i can think of off the top yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that might be part of it but uh yeah i i didn't uh i didn't remember that that bit uh, but yeah, that's uh, her character is is a pretty important character in this movie. And there's not really, you know, there is practically only eight characters in this movie. So it's not that many. 
Um, I mean, the only thing I'm going to just kind of end with is that I am so obsessed with Tenet. And so it was so interesting to me to review this movie, having been really familiar with Tenet and watched Tenet like a half dozen times and to see mm. so many parallels with this movie, which, you know, predates it by, you know, 20 years. Um, mm. So I just thought that was cool. I don't know if either of you are, are fans of Tenet, but um, I mean, even from that first scene where uh, he shoots Teddy and the sound of the bullet retracting back in the gun is like the same sound from Tenet because there's so much like like catching the bullet in the gun in that movie is just like, oh, my God, it's it's so amazing to, to just to see that these ideas have been percolating for this long for these guys. Yeah, I love Tenet, and I actually only very recently showed it to my older son for the first time, and he loved it, too. Oh, super cool. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I would like to. I, I know I've heard it. Personally, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it, because I think some people think it's too confusing. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm talking and spending, you know, a couple months talking about Memento. So I think it's pretty clear that I'm a fan of potentially confusing movies. <laughs> Tenet is absolutely significantly more confusing than Memento. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'd like to thank you, Molly, for joining me here today. And uh, why don't you go ahead and take a moment to let everybody else know where they can find you online. Okay. Um, I'm at Dharma Soda Pop on Twitter. And right now, I would say the, the project that's taking up the most of my time is I, I produce a podcast. It's a Buddhist podcast, uh, WednesdayWakeUp.com. And so if you're... <laughs> If you're inclined towards meditation and mindfulness, it's it's a good podcast. There's we're going to be getting more guests on, um, but there's guided meditations and whatnot. But that is uh, my bulk of my editing load these days. Oh, nice. And uh, we will have you back in in two weeks uh, whenever Natalie makes a return here. I, I think it's I thought it was more thematic to have. Uh, have you on for several different Natalie scenes uh, instead of keeping you kind of more chronological. Um, but, uh, and uh, thank you as always, Eric, for being my co-host through this. And as always, I am your host, Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, and you can join that to discuss episodes as they come out, as well as have discussions about time loop movies or TV shows or anything else that is welcome there. And uh, we'd really appreciate it if you do listen to this and you enjoy this to Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or if whatever uh, podcatcher that you listen to, if it allows ratings and reviews. And uh, until next time, I, I assume I've already told you about Memento? Only every time I see you. Don't just recite the words. Close your eyes and remember her.